It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked On Chiefs podcast. Welcome back to the show. We have a great one for you today, and we're not going to take too long, but uh, you know, there's lots going on at ChiefsDigest.com, and I, I know you guys know that Chris is helping out over there. Seth's doing his thing at The Athletic. Now I'm doing the YouTube thing. Well, you can find that at Chiefs Digest as well, and today you can find Matt here. So welcome back, Matt. How are you? I'm good, Ryan. It's good to talk to you again. <laughs> you know, there's been a lot going on, and it was kind of a, an up-and-down transition, I think, when they, they first got going. and uh, and decided what they were going to do defensively. And we haven't talked to you since Steve Stegno did his actual uh, conversations with the media, with you guys. And what's your big takeaway, your initial impression of the new defensive coordinator? Yeah, I think it's a little bit interesting. I mean, I think there was a, a couple of nuggets from his teleconference that, that kind of stands out. Um, I think obviously the big picture is at least what they're presenting is that he's, he's kind of coming in here with an open slate. Um, I think it's notable that he wants to make sure that he's watching the film and, and looking at all these guys on tape before he puts a kind of personality and a face to the, to the work. You know, he mentioned that he had met some of the defensive guys just as they're coming into the, the facility. And this time of year, there's not a lot of guys in the facility. I mean, most people have mm-hmm. gone home or on vacation. Not a whole lot of guys are dropping by. So, um, he's not seeing too many, but. I, I, that's where I, I do get, I mean, he didn't come out and say it, but it, it certainly felt like that was kind of the strategy is that he wants to go through and evaluate every one of these guys that he has on film, kind of figure out what he has. He doesn't want to talk to them and, and, and get any impressions, anything like that. He doesn't want anything to, to kind of color that, that analysis. And then once he's got an idea of what he's got on tape, then he's going to start through and, you know, looking at the, the personality side. And that's what they'll, they'll do during the off season and figure out how it all fits. But, uh, you know, he, he did seem to kind of want to, you know, pitch the idea that it's a clean slate and that there's there's no set path. I mean, he wants to kind of figure out what he's got. And once he does, once they see what they can fill in with free agency, once they see what they're, they can get into the draft, then they're going to figure out what they're going to do. And I, that's obviously the right right course. You don't want to try and, and, and smash a square peg into a round hole. And he certainly sounds like that's the the philosophy that he's bringing to this, that he's not just has a set plan. Here's what we're going to do, whether we got the personnel to do it or not. Um, but he seems pretty set at this point on really analyzing objectively what he has and then putting a, a plan for this defense going forward. Well, I, and that was my takeaway as well. And I think that's probably the thing that stands out to me the most is the change in that attitude that I'm going to do what's best to get the most out of these players, which I think was the exact opposite of the Sutton scheme. But bigger picture, at the end of the day, when he does do the evaluation, in your gut, the, the man's been brought up. He, he's he's run this 4-3 look, at least in the base, for so long. At the end of the day, i got to think that there's enough talent on this team to make that transition, and he's going to go back to what he knows. Yeah, and you know, our, our good friend Therese Paler kind of noted a, a a little bit of the reason why he's not necessarily willing to commit to a, a four three verbally right now is that they've got that 
Hmm. Uh, franchise tag designation for D Ford. It's sitting out there, and you say you're playing a four three, and D Ford's agent says, "Whoa, wait a minute. He's a defensive end now. He's not an outside linebacker. You're gonna pay him a little bit more money." Uh, that's that's a legitimate reason why they might be kind of you know backing off exactly what they're gonna do. Now, you know, remind you, well, you know, what was it a couple of weeks ago? Brett Veach pretty much said they're gonna play a four three. So. Now, yeah, <laughs> all of all of that said, and this is why I I, I keep kind of harping on and, and going back to, I'm not sure it really matters that much, because you know as we talked about, teams don't play base defense anymore. I mean, right. they're always in a sub package. You are always in you know a, a five six defensive back look. So to me, I'm not sure it matters a whole lot. It does matter a little bit in just your overall philosophy. Uh, how you position guys, you know, just, just some of the little nuts and bolts things. But yeah, I mean, it's, it may be, it, it's going to make a difference in a little bit about who you take off and when, but nobody plays, nobody plays a base defense anymore. Uh, you know, more than 30% of the time. I mean, especially in Kansas City, when you've got an offense like they're going to have, you're going to play, you know, you're going to play sub packages most of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we've seen that over the years. The only thing that concerns me is I wonder, just how much of a trend what the Patriots were able to do in the playoffs using the run game, making teams go back into the base. If that's a strategy that's going to continue to pay off, because I can see the pendulum swinging back towards if everybody's going to run light boxes and have 60 bees out there, let's run it right at them. Well, I think this kind of leads into the discussion we'll have about the assistance, you know, with, with Brendan Daly coming in. But, you know, when Andy Reid got here, it was not necessarily a public message, but, you know, what I've been told and the sense that people got was that when Andy Reid came in, the direction was we're only going to be a force in the AFC and we're only going to win if we can win the AFC West every year and dominate our division. And that means beating Denver. And they went about trying to build a team that can beat Denver. And they did. And and as a result, they built a team that could also beat San, you know, the Chargers. <laughs> they could beat the Raiders I almost too. Had it the other day too. <laughs> so you know that that by you know by nature they built a team that can beat anybody in the division. Now, if you want to take the next step, you've got to have a team that beats the Patriots. And if you got a defense that can stop the Patriots with this offense, you're going to beat a lot of other teams too. So I I feel like a lot of the things that that, that so far with this coaching staff that they have made, and I think we're going to see this in the personnel moves too, you're going to start seeing every move that this defense and this team makes being a counter for the Patriots. Because if they can't beat the Patriots, nothing else matters. Yeah. At the end of the day, I mean, you can, you can talk all about Gronk's supposed retirement, you know, Brady being another year older, Belichick's, you know, locked in his dungeon coming up with new schemes. But at the end of the day, it's about beating them at this point for Patrick Mahomes-led version of the Chiefs, right? Yeah, and, and and as we've seen, if Patrick Mahomes scores 38 points, doesn't matter if the Patriots score 39 or 40. That's what you got to do. I, I think that, that Andy Reid feels confident enough in his quarterback and his offense that they're going to be able to score enough points to beat most teams on most days. It's just about the defense at this point. Yeah. And if they can come up with a defense that can hold the Patriots to 37, <laughs> you're going to win a lot of the times. <laughs> Well, that's a very good way to put it. And why don't we take our first break? We'll come back and we'll talk specifically about what this staff looks like. And then, folks, we are going to talk about what this coming week is going to be, combine, draft prep, et cetera. 
We want to say thank you for all of your support through this entire season and want to let you know we will be here all off season for you. This and every episode that we'll be bringing to you are going to be available every week, just like normal, all off season long. So thanks for taking the time. All of you new folks, thanks for leaving your iTunes reviews and everything else. We appreciate your time and keep it locked on Chiefs. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. So I, I don't want to lead you down any path or any, ask anything specific because I, I want your blank slate look at it. But my overall impression of this staff as it's been built is a lot of comfort and familiarity for Steve Spagnuolo with his assistants. Yeah, and he even addressed that directly, you know, talking about the fact that he he thought it was important to have a, a staff that that knew each other, that had some relationships together to the kind of, you know, increase the shorthand that they can use, that there's not a lot of time to, to get to know each other. And, and that's, that's a smart philosophy in a, in a situation like this where, you know, you're not a, you're not a defensive coordinator coming into a team that's two and 14 and the entire operation is being rebuilt. This is a, a team that's 13 and three coming off an AFC championship and you've got to rebuild it fast. So you can't necessarily have a staff that's all getting to know each other and learning each other's strengths and weaknesses on, you know, on the fly. Uh, it does make a big, you know, I think a benefit that, that this staff does pretty much know each other. I mean, they've all kind of worked together in the times in the past. Um, if you want, you know, Hey, a cause for concern, you know what? Spagnolo has put together. Almost, uh, I think the 2012 St. Louis Rams defensive staff, and that defense stunk. <laughs> so, if I if you have if you want to look for a concern, you can find a concern there. Um, but no, they these guys are all comfortable with him. They know what he wants to do. There's not going to be any you know infighting. They're all going to be on the same page. Nobody working against each other. Um, that's what you got to have in this situation. And and, you know, and he addressed it and said, hey, this this took a little bit longer to put together than we thought it might. But, you know, the reason why was making sure that we got the guys we wanted and, you know, making sure that we held out. And I probably addresses Matt House, linebackers coach more than anything mm-hmm. um, to just make sure that we got the group that that he wanted. And that's what he ended up with. So I, if he's happy, I mean, I think Chiefs fans are going to be happy with, you know, where, where they are that you know he's got the staff that he wants. Yeah, I agree. And I think that, like you said, the Matt House in particular, because I always think the core of that defense, setting it up, making sure you can play well in the front seven comes from that second level. And that group is obviously needs some work and some retooling. But the big question to me, and I see some similarities to what the, the prior staff did, uh, at the defensive backs coach. Um, Sam Madison, another guy comes to this staff without a whole lot of coaching experience, much like Al Harris. Is that a surprise to you? Did you think that? Uh, this bodes well for changing the way that this team plays defense in the secondary. It, it, it might, um, you know, and I thought that there was even a chance that that Al Harris might stick around. Obviously, he was, uh, you know, the kind of the last man standing when they put this staff together. Um, but you're right. I mean, Sam Madison, kind of that same approach. He's a he's a he's a young guy, former player, very good player, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I, I think it probably speaks a little bit to the idea that you bring in a coach like this, you're probably looking to have a, 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 a cornerbacks group and defensive backs groups that's a little bit more aggressive. Um, that's what I see in a Sam Madison type. I, I, I think that's what you kind of see. And I, with what Spagnolo does, I, I think there's a reason to believe that it's going to be kind of more of a defensive back forward type of, of approach. So um, it's a little bit of a surprise to me that you, you're right, that you do bring in somebody that's so inexperienced, but you also couple that with, you know, Dave Merritt, who's got a ton of experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you got two guys together in that group. You know, it's, it's a lot different than the group you had before, you know, with, with Al Harris and Emmett Thomas. Um, you know, Emmett was kind of the, the emeritus guy. I mean, he was the guy that everybody could, you know, kind of look to see the Super Bowl rings, that kind of thing. Um, you know, now you've got a, you've got a different group and I think it's, I think it's an aggressive group. I mean, these are guys that I think are going to, you know, preach a lot of aggressiveness amongst the defensive back. That's my number one takeaway too. And it's the thing that I've been saying that this group of players needs to be able to be turned loose to reach their potential. And I, I think in terms of philosophy, I agree with you. Aggression is probably the name of the game. I think that's going to bode well for the guys that are already on this roster and, and will remain. Yeah, I, I really is. And, and I mean, like I said, I, I thought that I didn't think there was necessarily a lot of things wrong with the previous staff. And I mean, I think you can you look to the fact that a lot of them moved on to, to new jobs pretty darn quickly. And that's, I think, a positive sign. I mean, I, I, but at the same time, you know, a new coach has got to be able to put together a, a group that he can lean on. And and this, I can't say that there, to me that there's a whole lot of differences to me as far as the makeup of this group of coaches versus, you know, what they had before. Because, you know, the assistants under Bob Sutton were actually a pretty young group. I mean, they weren't guys that, you know, Bob Sutton had worked with for 20 years or anything. Um, you know, some of them he hadn't even, I think maybe a lot of them he hadn't worked with before. Um, maybe, you know, Mark DeLeo, Mike Smith, I mean, he had some connections there, but, um, you know, this is, this is still, a, it's a, it's a pretty young, upwardly mobile group of, of assistants that they have. And as a result, you know, I, I think there will be some aggressiveness there. I, I'm looking forward to it and they certainly need it in certain places. And like you alluded to before, we're waiting on the tag, uh, for D Ford. I, I think it's coming. We're about folks, as we record this, we're about 10 days out from that, uh, Deadline anyway. I don't know if it's going to take that long. Um, I think it's the evaluation going on by Spagnuolo and his staff will, will probably get done before that. But there are a number of things that have to be done uh, surrounding that with these big three veterans, including Houston and Barry. And we've talked about that ad nauseum on the show, Matt. But just quickly, do you think that this this pass rush is something they have to keep intact either by retaining the guys that they have or making it a really high priority in the draft? Yeah, I mean, it is an either-or. And I you you couple the the things that Brett Veach said a couple of weeks ago with what Steve Spagnuolo said last week, and here's a picture about, you know, what you can really see what this team's going to be doing over the, the next few weeks leading up to the beginning of the league, league New Year and free agency, which is Spagnuolo was going through, like we talked about, doing all of his analysis on, on these guys and what he's got on defense. And then the next step is he's going to go to Veach and say, here's the guys that I like. Here's the guys that I don't. Here's what I want to do. Here's what I need to go get. And that's when Veach and and, and Chris Shea are going to come in and talk about the money and the salary cap and say, okay, well, if you want this, you're going to have to do this. And there's going to be some trade-offs because 
Spagnolo's not going to be able to get everything he wants. I mean, if he he can't say I'm going to keep Justin Houston, D Ford, Eric Berry, and go get somebody, that doesn't work with the salary cap. You're going to have to make some tough decisions. And yeah, I mean, all I, they haven't tagged D Ford yet. I mean, they could. So this, at least, is the fact that they haven't done it all already tells you that there's at least some thought process going on. And I'm with you. I'm I'm fully expecting that they will put that franchise tag. You, it gives you a lot more flexibility. You put the franchise tag on, on D Ford. You can st- you still got some things that you can maneuver and do. So I do expect that to happen. Um, but that doesn't still mean that all three of those guys are going to be there. And the reality of it is because uh, you can't have all three of those and go out and make any moves in free agency. I mean, you can make some small moves, but you can't do anything flashy. You're not going to be able to go out and get a $12 million corner if you keep all three of those guys. So they've got some questions to, to answer there. And that's the process they're going to be going through is, and that's what it is right now. Spagnola was trying to see what he's got. He's going to go to Veach, say, here's what I want to do. And that's when the salary cap comes in and say, well, here's a trade-off. Here's what we can do. And then that's, then, then you're going to start seeing the action. And I mean, it's a busy time. I mean, you're less than a month. I mean, about three weeks until the beginning of the new league year. So there's going to be a lot that happens, uh, you know, during the combine. That's when a lot of, you know, wheeling and dealing and talking goes on. <laughs> so we're going to see a lot of action here in the next three weeks. This is pff, off season doesn't exist. Good grief. Next three weeks are going to be crazy. And I know you're going to be at the combine. So you're going to have an ear out. I am sure I'm looking forward to see what you might come home with, but uh, I'm glad you brought up quarterback. That's the key for me to this offseason. And I think we need to talk about that. We'll take our second break, folks. We'll be right back. We have a powerful new feed to tell you about. Check out Locked On NFL Net on Twitter. It is all the inside information from our hosts for all the Locked On shows for all of the NFL teams in one Twitter feed. That's Locked On NFL.net on Twitter. Check that out today. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So like you said, going out and and making those decisions allows you to look at the cornerback position, which clearly, even with if you weren't losing players, guys that started a lot of games for you, this is a, a group that is depleted. And especially when we start talking about free agency, and Steve Nelson is probably one of the top free agents available. Do you feel like there's any way they can actually address the the issue in free agency at corner? It's possible. the The problem with corner is that you've just you've got, and especially in free agency, and pass rusher fits in that category too. There's just a few positions that if you're going to go out and buy it in free agency, you're going to overpay. That's just the reality. I mean, you know, Stephen Nelson's probably going to get a pretty good contract. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, I mean, I know Chiefs fans are going to be surprised how much Steve Nelson gets. It's going to be a, it's going to be a good bag. I mean, he will, he will get something. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, what's out there? I mean, you know, Ronald Darby gets talked about an awful lot, but you know, there's some concerns there. And I know not everybody believes that he's an elite corner. Um, you know, if you're, your chances of, 
getting somebody at corner for the most part that's going to be an impact player down the road is going to be in the draft. And hey, draft is a bit of a crapshoot. We all know that. Um, but, you know, Veach, look back to what he did last year at corner, which, you know, they had an opportunity to, to you know, pick up a Bashad Breland. Wouldn't have cost them a whole lot. Um, you know, they, they did go out and get David Amerson, which is kind of one of those moves that, you know, Veach likes. And, and frankly, I think if you're looking at corner, you might end up seeing another guy like that coming in. I mean, somebody who, um, is they're looking to try and buy low and, and, and get a bounce back out of them mm-hmm. because that's, that's where the value is at corner. If you go out, I mean, hey, Stephen Nelson had a better year than a lot of people give him credit for. But if you go out and sign Steve Nelson to thirty-eight, forty-two million dollars over four years, are you going to get that kind of value out of Steve Nelson? Probably not. I mean, that's just this just the way it is. So, but that's what you know. You're probably going to you know that's the kind of money you might see out there for him. So, you know, it's corner is just one of those positions that's so tough because in free agency. Your your usually your worst deals at corner are when you shell out a lot of money. Your best deals are when you can get somebody who is trying to bounce back on the cheap and it, it hits. Sometimes you get that. I mean, you know, I, Chiefs when they picked up Sean Smith was kind of that way. I mean, they didn't spend a ton of money bringing him in, mm-hmm. but they got some really good stuff out of Sean Smith. Um, but David Amerson, not so much. I mean, but it was a low low cost investment. Didn't really cost them anything. Right. Um, that's where I think you could see more of. I mean, that's because. Now, Brett Veach is going to kick the tires on free agent corners. And if there's somebody that he likes that they think they can get that will play and maybe isn't a huge investment, I'd have no doubt that they'll see them. But I think you're also going to see the Chiefs kicking the tires on a lot of defensive backs, corners and safeties alike. And safety might even be the position that if they're going to spend money in free agency, that's where it goes, because that's a lot safer bet than corner. I was just going to say that. And the, the word you mentioned earlier was value. And when you look at what the safety class and free agency has been the last few years, uh, value is definitely there compared to corner. And I, I am interested to, to get your take uh, on two guys. A lot of hubbub about Landon Collins clearing out his locker and all that, whatever. Obviously, a guy that played for, for Spags has a big link there. It's, it's really obvious to make that connection. I don't know if it's true. And the other guy, a uh, lot of concern about injury for Earl Thomas, but he's still a game changer as far as I can see on film from even last season. What's your take on those two? Yeah, I mean they're they're gonna you're gonna kick the tires on on both of them. I mean, absolutely, and to see what's there. And and Collins is gonna be the the hot name. Here's the problem. I I think you could see with both those guys. You know, Landon Collins a little bit less so because you know, it, I, I know he had what the shoulder injury, had some surgery. Um, that shouldn't necessarily be a long term deal. He's 25. I mean, that's you know, there's a lot to like there. You're gonna pay through the nose. For Landon Collins too. Yeah. That's not going to be a cheap deal. I mean, is it going to be Eric Berry money? It's going to be close. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. So, you know, it's going to be a lot of money. Um, is it a wise investment? It could be. I mean, at his age. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the kind of deal that might pay off. Um, you know, Thomas is, is I think going to be a little bit more interesting. I mean, I, at 30, it's hard to get that big contract. If somebody out there is going to give Earl Thomas a big contract though, I don't think that's something you can compete with. So I right. think it's going to be a little bit of if you can get Earl Thomas at the right number. But I tell you what, you look through the free agent corner market, and you know when we saw this last year too, you wait, and the market will drop big time. 
because there's a lot of co- a lot of safeties out there. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be some really good safeties that sign late in the process for not very much money. And frankly, to me, I mean, if you look at the safety market versus the corner market, safety market's a whole lot deeper than the corner corner market is. And so there's going to be some pretty good guys that, you know, get signed pretty cheap. Uh, you know, I, there's Kenny Vaccaro's out there, Trey Boston. Ha Clinton Dix might, you know, I mean, he he's probably going to, I think, be one of the you know guys that makes a little bit more money, but mm-hmm. but because of that depth in the market this year, there's going to be some real value at safety. And is it is it your opinion that they need to do that? I mean, there's a lot of folks that see flashes from uh, from Lucas. Uh, they're probably tired of Eric Murray, uh, but obviously, Armani Watts put some good things together. Um, do you, do you think that the Chiefs want to ride that out or do you got to go do something in free agency? I'm, I'm not sold that you have to do something in free agency. Um, I, I mean, there is, there's a reason to believe that there is some young talent there that they like. I mean, you got Armani Watts coming back. If he's healthy, you, you, you like him. Um, there's a lot of reason to believe that salary cap wise, you may be, you know, stuck with Eric Berry. Um, depending on what the health issue is, how, if he mm-hmm. plays or not, it's a whole other question, but he, may still be around um and i'm with you i mean i i do like a lot of the upside that they've got with some younger players what i think that the chiefs have though with some of those young guys is that they've got some guys who are pretty consistent but i'm not sure that i see the one huge playmaker out there that's the kind of guy that's gonna help you create maybe eight to ten turnovers a year you know with either you know fumbles or or interceptions um, that can just consistently get stops and make plays because, and that's what you need. I mean, you ab this 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 team absolutely needs to be able to do that because when you, uh, I think it goes back to talking about complementary defense and what you what you play with. If you get an offense like the Chiefs, you're gonna have to get turnovers. That's just the only way that you're gonna survive. Um, you can't you know expect your defense to go out there and play the bend but don't break philosophy that they had because you're going to end up with what you saw against you know the patriots and the seahawks and some other teams your defense on the field for 35 40 minutes you're going to lose so the way against that is that you got to create turnovers and that's what i think that they're missing i mean they've got some guys who i think are pretty consistent and and can make tackles and do some nice things but is there that guy out there that's going to make the turnover that you need when you need it or is going to be able to get you the ball a bunch of times i'm not sure that guy's out there right I, I have to say that as well. Not only that, but somebody that can play the deep middle by himself. I, I think that's the one thing lacking on this roster, but that's a whole other discussion. Um, folks, make sure you check out everything on, on Chiefs Digest. Matt, you are going to the Combine. Anybody in particular you're looking to see? Yeah, definitely wanted to look at some of the defensive backs that are out there. Um, that's one of the things that a lot of a lot of names are being associated with the Chiefs. Seems like everybody thinks that the Chiefs will go cornerback or safety. Um, there's some, you know, interesting guys out there, maybe some injuries to look at and consider, um, you know, Deontay Thompson probably fits in that category. Not sure much. We'll see if him at the combine. Um, I, I, I'm interested in looking at a lot of the defense. Uh, I do think the Chiefs might be looking at some of the running backs too. Uh, somebody in the mid rounds. Um, I, there's some other maybe offensive positions they might kick the tires on, but I, I'm really, look, I'm, I'm really interested in the defensive side and, and especially the secondary, I think that's some that's an area the Chiefs are going to target. Oh, I'm pumped as well. Uh, safe travels, my friend. I hope you enjoy your time out there, folks. Hit Chiefs Digest for all of Matt's reports, and we will talk to you when you're back. Thanks, bud. Sounds great. Thanks a lot, Ryan. 
Subscribe to the show on iTunes or Google Play. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Chiefs. Check out my work at RGR Football on YouTube. Chris's work on LockedOnChiefs.com and all of Seth's film analysis at TheAthletic.com. Thanks for listening. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.